John chapter number 21, begin reading in verse number 1, the first 14 verses. Jesus has just appeared to his disciples after his resurrection and made himself known to them. And Thomas has declared, my Lord and my God. And uh, Jesus is in his post-resurrection state between the time that he rises from the dead after being crucified and dying and being buried and the time that he ascends into heaven. And during this time, he's doing some work and trying to help and encouraging his disciples and pointing them in the right direction. And they've been discouraged. They failed miserably. And uh, the Lord Jesus is showing himself to them time and time again and proving himself faithful and helping them. We come to this passage of Scripture. I want you to follow along as we read John chapter number 21, verses 1 through 14. The Bible says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the sea of Tiberias. And on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Canaan of Galilee and the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. And he said unto them, Cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. The other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were two hundred cubits, dragging the net with fishes. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon, and bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, an hundred and fifty and three. And for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread, and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. Look with me in verse 12. A neat little commandment, calling. The Bible says in verse 12, Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. Come and dine. I've been singing all week uh, that little choir song we've sung around here for years. Come and dine, the master calleth. Come and dine. You can feast at Jesus' table all the time. Come and dine. I'm thankful for this call from the Lord. And quite frankly, uh, the call extends beyond the fish and the bread that he made available on the beach that morning. Just think about this setting with me for a minute. The disciples, they're still battling with discouragement. How many of you ever are like this? You, you've had a horrible experience. I mean, it's been terrible. 
And you have a horrible experience and you're devastated, but then you get hope and you're encouraged for a time. And then the next thing you know, uh, you're back down in the slaw of despond, as John Bunyan would say. You're back down to suffering and worrying and fretting and hurting. And then you need another little uh, help from the Lord. And I want you to understand something. We get in these moments and, and our nature, we cannot help in our nature, but that we have these lows and highs and lows and highs. But I'll encourage you in one way. As you keep turning to the Lord, as you keep seeing the Lord's faithfulness, in time you're going to find out that God is going to give you healing and give you strength, irregardless of how terrible it was at that time. And the disciples are in that season. And Jesus, at this moment in his ministry, is coming and going and giving the disciples the opportunity to learn from him and be encouraged and have the strength they need to trust him even though he will not be physically present with them. They need to know that they can trust him and trust his word. And so Jesus is showing himself to his disciples time and time again. And in this moment, we find the disciples, I'm quite convinced that we find them in a moment where they're, they're really suffering again. They're struggling. As a matter of fact, Peter has got to the place where, you know, I think I'm just going to have to go back to being what I was before I met Jesus. I'm going to have to go back to fishing. I'm going to have to uh, return to the things that helped me and sufficed and satisfied me uh, to some extent before I met Christ. And in this passage of scripture the Lord Jesus teaches us some things and one of the things he says to these disciples that I think resonates in our hearts is this little phrase come and dine come and dine Jesus is calling on us to come to him for our supply to come to him for our encouragement to come to him for our direction come and dine you can find what you need in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ you can find what you need in the study and understanding of the Word of God, come and dine. And we learn from this last learn from this passage of scripture that we need to turn in our times of need, we need to turn not to the old way, not to the old things that have uh, satisfied our flesh in the past, but to come faithfully and consistently in faith, knowing that God will meet our needs. Come and dine. Come and dine. Number one, we should come and dine in consideration of our insufficiency. Insufficiency. How many of you ever swiped your card and it said insufficient funds? That stinks, doesn't it? <laughs> How many of you have uh, uh, taken on a task and before the task was complete, you knew down inside of you that your strength was insufficient to complete the task. As we age, we feel that more and more. I'm just now 40. I've not felt it often, but I've felt it a few times, and I don't like it when I do. And all you old, encouraging people tell me it gets worse and worse. Someone was such a blessing to me. They asked, how old are you? I said, I'm 40. They said, oh, no, it's just downhill from there. <laughs> God bless you, too. Uh, <laughs> But when we come to the scriptures, the Bible does something that is so contrary to the mentality that we live in in our society today. We live in a society that preaches and teaches 
self-worth and self-love and self-esteem. Now, I'm just telling you, I don't go about trying to make people feel bad. And I don't think that's what the Lord does. But I'll just tell you, if you live your life with this false notion that if I think it, it can be mine, then you are anchoring yourself in something that's just not true. Now, when we study the Scriptures, the Bible's really plain. The Bible's really plain that we do not have in us the abilities to do everything that we need. The most important one that we consider is we do not have in us the ability to redeem our own souls. Most of the time, religion teaches that if you'll be good and work hard and do good and work hard and do good and work hard and do good and work hard, then you can have the blessing of God. And if you're good enough, you can satisfy the righteous demands of God. But that's not at all what the Bible teaches. You see, if I could be good enough to please God, then there would be no need for Jesus to have ever come to the cross. You see, the message of the cross or the message of the Christ teaches us, and the whole reason in our story today, in John chapter number 21, the whole reason that Jesus had already died on the cross, had already been buried, had already risen from the dead, and now was a Uh, preparing for his ascension and working with his disciples. The whole reason Jesus had done all that was because in every way his disciples were insufficient. You see, he died on the cross because he was perfect and he paid our debt. We must depend on him to pay our debt and to redeem us from the penalty of our sin. Now, the message of the cross says, hey, look, you aren't good enough. It's an amazing thing that happens in our hearts, though. When we get to the place where we realize, I can't do this on my own, and we just say, here, Lord, you can have it. Lord, here, bear this burden. Here, Lord, help me with this. Here, Lord, I know that I can't, but you can, and I'm just going to depend on you. How many of you have ever got into the middle of a task and you realized, oh man, I am in over my head. And you called in a professional. And when you called in a professional and they said, I can help you and I can take care of this. And you said, here's the project. You do it. And you felt the burden lifted off your shoulders because you finally had somebody there that could take care of the problem. (sighs) It's good. How many of you have ever experienced that? Now, what the world wants to tell you is that you're good enough, that you're smart enough, you're fast enough, you're brave enough, you're courageous enough, you are capable and sufficient. But what happens is we get out in the middle of life's storms and we think, oh my lands, this is over my head. But the world has taught us that we can't turn to anybody but ourselves because we are so awesome. And when we see that ourselves are failing at being awesome, but we're supposed to be awesome, but we're failing at being awesome, but we're supposed to be awesome, we're like, ah! And the world tells us there is no God. So we turn to things that drown out the reality of the fact that we're not as awesome as everybody told us we were. And sin captures us and ruins our lives. 
When I think about the end product of the self-esteem motion and movement, I think, my, doesn't it just make sense to get to the place where we realize I'm in the midst of life and I can't do this on my own? I just got to have a professional. I got to have somebody that can help me. And God is our ever-present help in time of need. So we surrender ourselves to his will and we say, here I am. Here I am. Jesus shows the disciples their insufficiency. We want to say, boy, that's mean. Oh, no, it's love. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend. A good friend will tell you the truth. The Bible says we're to speak the truth in love. That doesn't mean a good friend is nasty. But we speak the truth in love. And Jesus shows the disciples their insufficiency. Look at the Bible says in verse number 2. They're on the Sea of Tiberias, and the Bible says there were gathered together Simon, Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. When I read verse number 2, the first thing I think about is, boy, that's a whole list of people who really have messed up. Guess what they're thinking? We've really messed up too. They're acknowledging it. Just think about all that Peter had done in the last few hours. And Peter was not alone because all of the disciples turned their backs on Christ. What a bunch of losers. Verse number two is the loser verse. And quite frankly, I could fit right in the middle of all of them, and that's fine with me. Useless. Losers. I saw this meme, and I think it's wonderful. It just cracked me up. They said, if you ever feel like you're useless, just remember someone is a lifeguard at the Olympic swim meets. How many of you ever seen that? Now, that's useless. How often do you think that you need a lifeguard at an Olympic swim meet? Not very often. But at uh, any rate, uh, these guys, they're, they've messed up. They'd professed themselves to be uh, wise and strong and powerful, and they were the followers of Christ, and they had witnessed and been part of great miracle working. But after Jesus, when Jesus was being tried and was taken to the cross, man, they just failed miserably. But God's going to use these men And God is going to use this group of people in a mighty way. But it's not going to be because they felt so good about themselves. Because they deemed themselves so powerful and worthy. It wasn't because they felt like they were on an intellectual plane that was superior to everyone else around them. No. It would never include pride. It would have everything to do with submission to the fact that Jesus was their sufficiency. And Jesus comes on the scene and shows them that they are insufficient. They had already messed up in many ways. The Bible says in verse 3, And Simon Peter saith to them, I go fishing. He's going fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. He said, We might as well all go fishing. I mean, we've just absolutely blown it, and we've not seen Jesus for a day or two. We might as well all go fishing. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. And that night they caught nothing. How many of you ever been fishing and caught nothing? Everybody says that's why you call it fishing and not catching. Fishing. I don't know about you, but I especially remember as a teenager, the older I get, the less it matters. But I remember as a teenager going fishing, and I had one goal. One goal. It wasn't catch a lot of fish. It was catch a fish because... I didn't want to have to come home and face anybody that knew I'd gone fishing and say, did you catch any fish? And I have to say, no. 
Or even worse, come up with a story like, I got a few bites. <laughs> uh, isn't it pitiful? The only thing worse than saying no, I caught no fish, is if you feel so insecure that you've got to tell people, I got a few bites. <laughs> but I wanted to catch one fish. If I caught more than one fish, that was fine. But as long as I could catch one fish, because I want to be able to come home and say, did you catch any fish? Yes. So they fish all night. What they did, caught no fishies. The Bible says, verse 4, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. So at this time, at this moment, they don't know that it's Jesus on the shore, but they know that it's Jesus, and they're not very far away. And Jesus does something that is cruel and unusual. You know what he did? He asked them, Did you catch any fish? That's cruel and unusual. If you've met somebody that's fished all night long and they look really a little bit ill-tempered, do not ask, did you catch any fish? Just wait and let them tell you if they so feel like it. But Boy, it was a cruel thing that Jesus did. And the Bible says in verse 5 that Jesus saith unto them, I'm just kidding about the cruelty, by the way. Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. They answered him, No. What is Jesus teaching? Why in the world does Jesus ask questions? Did Jesus know that they had not caught any fish? Absolutely, yes. He never asked questions because he doesn't know the answer. He asked questions in order to teach a lesson. And he begins his question with a word. How many of you like it when someone calls you a child? Here these men are. And some other man on the shore has the audacity to call them children. There have been a few occasions, and I've got to watch myself because it kind of gets on my nerves, but it's really my pride flaring up. How many of you ever have your pride flare up? Make me feel a little better. Thank you. Thank you. That somebody that's like 18 or 19 years old who thinks they're an expert at the parts store at Lowe's or somewhere, they'll, I'll ask them a question, and they'll say, call me buddy. Buddy. How many of you love being called buddy? buddy it's almost like you know you'll be able to figure this out buddy and this guy just barely got his driver's license and i'm like buddy but this is what jesus does to the disciples he says hey buddies is this your first fishing trip now you got to remember most of the guys on the boat were professional fishermen before they got became disciples of christ Jesus from the shore, and they don't know who he is. He says, children, 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 have you any meat? Have you caught any fish? And all of them had to say, no, no. Now, did Jesus do this to humiliate the disciples? No. So that we could make fun of them 2,000 years later at Joy Baptist Church? No. Why did Jesus do that? Because Jesus will do what is necessary to show the people that he loves that they on their own are insufficient. Hey, look, until you come to grips with the fact that you can't do it on your own, number one, you're not going to get saved. Until you come to the 
place where you understand that you can't do it on your own. You're not going to become dependent on God to lead you and guide you and protect you and provide for you. And so Jesus knew if the future of the church was going to be left in the care of the disciples, they had to get to the place where they didn't feel like the greatest disciples that ever lived that could start the New Testament church. No, they had to get to the place where they understood that we can't do anything unless Jesus Gives us the power and ability to do it. And I'll just have you know something. There's nothing wrong with that state of mind. As a matter of fact, everything is right about that state of mind. Because God gives grace to the humble. And when we come to the place where we know that we are the children of God, where we know that though we've tried our best, we cannot provide for ourselves the way that God so deems necessary and what we need is in the Lord. You see, Jesus teaches his disciples And we should know that we need to come and dine with the Lord and find our supply in Christ because... We are insufficient. Come and dine in consideration of your insufficiency. Number two, come and dine in consideration of Jesus' supply. Come and dine in consideration of Jesus' supply. What does you need that Jesus doesn't have? Nothing. Look what the Bible says in verse number six. We'll look at it together. He said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Now that's an amazing little story there, but we understand that if God is able to speak into existence all it is, he's also able to give a host of fish on one side of a boat that were not on the other side of the boat. And so Jesus just makes it plain to these disciples. He says, here's what I want you to do. Cast your net on the other side. I can't help but wonder if Peter began to think about the time he met Jesus because Jesus had told him to do the same thing one other time as when when Peter began to follow the Lord. He'd cast his net on the other side in the great drought of fishes. So great that it broke the nets. It was beginning to sink the boats. Jesus says, cast your net on the other side. Someone made mention of the fact that success was just as far away as the width of that boat. The Bible calls it a ship, but it would have been a small boat that that group of people could have fit in. And Jesus says, I want you to understand something. Jesus is faithful. Jesus has supply. Jesus' way works. And we think, my lands, I've been casting my net. I've been doing my thing this way, this way, this way, my way, my way, my way. And I just wonder if just one turn toward the Lord may be the difference in failure and success. And as a matter of fact, I know that it is. Your success may not look exactly the way you dreamed it would, but when you are in the center of God's will and doing things God's way, you're going to find out that there's a certain satisfaction there that the world can't afford. You should try it Jesus' way. Maybe you're here and there's been a season in your life where you did it Jesus' way, but you found yourself in a little bit of a tough spot, a moment of difficulty, heartbreak, whatever it might be, and you say, I've had enough of Jesus' way, I'm going to try it my way for a time. If it hasn't failed you yet, it will. Turn to Jesus. Come and dine. 
We should come and dine in consideration of Jesus' supply. In verse number 6, the Bible says that Jesus said to them, Cast your net on the right side of the ship, and and ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Verse number 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard it, it was the Lord. He girded his fisher's coat unto him. He was naked and did cast himself in the sea. When, as soon as Peter realized who it was, man, he dove in. Verse number 8. The other disciples came in just a minute. Verse number 9. Look at it with me. As soon then as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. What does Jesus do? Jesus has prepared for his disciples. Now, it's a fun thing to think about how Jesus prepared a fire, fish, and bread. Uh, We can think about it. There's no uh, surefire way. I'm really hoping that one of these days when I get to heaven, I'm going to get to see the backstory of some of these things. I don't know. Did Jesus uh, go to the market and buy it? Did Jesus uh, get all the ingredients and knead it? Did Jesus fish a little while before and put it there? Or did Jesus speak it into existence, all of which are possible, none of which are terribly important? But the bottom line is Jesus had a meal prepared for the disciples. He had a meal prepared for the disciples. Can you imagine the kind of situation that the disciples found themselves in that morning? Now, how many of you have ever fished all night? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever fished all night? And then early in the morning, you've come off of the lake, you've come away from where you've been fishing, and early in the morning, you go to Waffle House. And it's warm in there. And the food's good. I don't care what you say, it's real good. There's just something special about that, right? Well, these guys, they came off of a night of fishing, and they found themselves in the presence of the Lord, and there was a fire. How many of you like to sit by the fire? And there was bread, and there was fish. And what they found was that there was comfort in God's supply. There was peace in God's supply. There was satisfaction in God's supply that only God could provide. God did it. Think about fire. I just had this little passing thought this morning as I was studying and thinking about fire. You just think about what a blessing God gave us when he gave us fire. You know why it's not cold in this auditorium this morning? It's because up in the attic there's a furnace and God provided an amazing thing called fire. We've got it under control in a gas furnace, but God gave us fire. How many of you like your food to be warm? God gave us fire. How many of you like to have a warm shower? God gave us fire. Well, just think what God gave us when God gave us fire. And God has supplied our every need. He's faithful. You can come to him because he's faithful to supply. Look at the Bible says, verse 10. Jesus saith unto them, Bring of the fish which ye have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and hundred and fifty and three. I don't know if there's any significance to this, but it's a little note I want you to know about this verse. The other disciples, the whole list there, I think there was like seven others maybe, maybe six others, I don't, can't remember the number right off my head, but there was a group of them in a boat, and it took all of them to bring the fish to shore. But when Jesus said to Peter, go get the fish, Peter himself drug all 153 large fishes up the shore on his own. For what it's worth, I know this is true. 
God, when we depend on God, he gives us the ability to do things that are bigger than us. And Peter was used to the Lord, and he obeyed the Lord, and he brought those 153 fishes. And the Bible says, and for all there were so many. I love that little phrase. For all there were so many. Who got left out of God's supply? No one. He's faithful like that. Jesus says in verse 12, come and dine. And verse 13, look what the Bible says. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them fish. Giveth them and fish likewise. I've underlined these three words, cometh, taketh, and giveth. We see beautifully in these words the Lord's supply. The Lord supplies by coming to us. Folks, I want you to know something. The Lord is coming to you in your time of need. Don't turn your back to him. He's coming. He comes to us. He cometh. He comes when the disciples needed him, when they needed encouragement, when they needed some help, when they needed to understand that God was faithful and his supply was good. He comes. He cometh. He's coming to you. You may be here today and you've tried everything there is to try, but you've neglected turning to Jesus. Jesus calls you and says, come and dine. Come to him because he's come to you. Cometh. Jesus cometh and taketh bread. I like that word taketh. When you read this, you, you read taketh and giveth. The first thing that my carnal mind wants to think about is Robin Hood. He stole from the rich and gave to the poor. But that's not what Jesus did. Jesus took from his own supply. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. Jesus took of his own supply. There's a verse in the Bible that's so encouraging. It says, but my God shall supply all your riches, your needs. Supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Now, he supplies our needs not at the bare minimum, but he supplies our needs not according to our needs. He supplies our needs according to his riches. How does he supply our needs? He gives to us out of his great abundance. He supplies according to his riches. And his supply is great. He cometh and taketh. He taketh from his supply. Do you think the supply that Christ has available for you is in short supply? No. He gives according to his riches and glory. He cometh and taketh. And what's sweet is, though he has so much, he gives so generously. And giveth them and fish likewise. He cometh, taketh. And giveth. Folks, I want you to know something. You should come to Christ. You should come and dine in, consider the, in consideration of the fact that you're insufficient. You should come and dine in consideration of the fact that Jesus has full supply. And finally, number three, you should come and dine in consideration of Jesus' faithfulness. In verse number one of chapter 21, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again. What's he do? First of all, he shows himself. Then he shows himself again. Let me tell you something. Jesus is coming again. Maybe you've turned your back on him. He's come to you again. He sent a preacher to say, hey, look, come and dine. Find your hope in Christ. Everything else doesn't work. Jesus, come again to his disciples. He's come at the Sea of Tiberias. He's come to a place of great familiarity. Jesus has come again. And the Bible says in verse 14, this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. He's faithful. He shows himself again. He showed himself three times. You can trust the Lord. 
Come and dine. Come and dine. I don't know where you are this morning, but I know where these disciples were. And one specifically, old Mr. Peter. Simon Peter, he's an interesting character. He looks a lot like us. He has big highs and deep lows. And he's messed up really bad in recent days. The Lord has sent word to encourage him, called him by name and said, I want to meet you after his resurrection. And Peter, again, he's led this group of guys to go fishing. And when Peter realizes it's the Lord, when John says, hey, it's the Lord, that's the Lord on the shore. That's the Lord that told us to cast our net on the other side. As soon as Peter realizes it's the Lord, what's he do? Look what the scripture says in verse number 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. What did he do? He's like, let me try try it my way one more time. Oh no. When he realized it was the Lord, he dove in, head first, with all they had. He ran to the Lord. He said, I'm not waiting one more second. If I can get to Jesus, that's where I want to be. What did he do? He came and he dined. And I'll have you know something. God uses Peter in a mighty way in the days that are ahead. I love that spirit. I want it in myself. You see, the more I'm aware of my insufficiency, I'm encouraged by Christ's all-sufficiency. And I'm required, and I must, and you and I must. Like Peter. Go all in for the Lord Jesus Christ. Go all in in believing and trusting and knowing that God is faithful. You see... Jesus has called us. He said, hey, look here. Life is not easy. The work that I've called you to do is not easy. The emotions are deep and real. The trouble is there. He says, but you can come and dine. Come and dine. I'd encourage you to act like Peter and dive away from your self-righteousness. Dive away from your own sufficiency and Throw yourself into the hands and care of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's faithful. You can trust him. And he calls us all. He says, hey, come and dine.